read and hear more about important news, events, and public policy debates at ncnewsline.com. This is News and Views. Welcome to News and Views. I'm your host, Rob Schofield. As we discussed at length earlier this year in and around the Moore v. Harper Supreme Court case, in which North Carolina Republican lawmakers sought to advance a controversial legal theory that would have given them complete power to draw congressional maps with zero court oversight, our state legislative leaders remain supremely ambitious in their efforts to accumulate power and rewrite many of the basic and long-established rules under which state government has operated. Indeed, as a new report by researcher Michael Suzanne, a senior fellow at the Washington, D.C.-based Center for American Progress, makes clear, the list of problematic power grabs is long and growing. Suzanne's report is entitled, Threats from Political Minority Rule in Wisconsin and North Carolina. And recently, he was kind enough to join me from his Washington office to summarize some of the report's key findings and recommendations. Michael Suzanne, welcome to News and Views. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. I'm happy to be with you. So this new report, Threats from Political Minority Rule in Wisconsin and North Carolina, obviously, we in North Carolina have a lot of interest in this report. Why these two states? And, and what do you mean by minority rule? Well, as I was studying this uh, growing movement of a political minority rule, and I was looking specifically at a number of states, and also, of course, on the federal level. And Wisconsin and, and North Carolina really jumped out at me. Uh, you know, specifically North Carolina is a real outlier in this area where the Republican-led legislature has really been breaking norms in recent years, as you know, as you've written about, to entrench their political power. And uh, it's it's really kind of stacking the rules of the game, as some some people call it. Wisconsin, Wisconsin is doing a lot of the same thing. I noticed a lot of similarities in these two states. For example, they both are using extreme partisan gerrymandering. They both are stripping their Democratic governors of long-held constitutional and other powers. And they're also passing voter suppression and election sabotage bills. And I should also say, and using the courts to their advantage. And so there are a lot of parallels between these two states, and these two states stood out amongst uh, amongst all the others. Is it fair to say that they're obviously very different geographically and historically and cultural, that there are some similarities in that they're both kind of purple states, right, With where they have a Democratic governor and a powerful Republican legislature. Is it a supermajority in Wisconsin? I, I didn't even notice whether that yes. is in fact the case like we have here. The, one of the chambers there is supermajority and the other is very close to it. Okay. But you're, you're right. These are states where um, they're very closely politically divided, almost 50-50. And in North Carolina, as, as you and, and your listeners know, I mean, Donald Trump narrowly won in 2016, but even far more narrowly in 2020. Um, at the same time, Governor Cooper, a Democrat, is, uh, was reelected um, um, by residents. And then right now, you all have a, a fair a seven to seven map for the uh, for the U.S. House. That's about to change in ways that we we could we could talk about. Um, but it's at least it's a, it's a fair delegation right right now as well. And we're also seeing in in North Carolina a lot of people moving in from other states. Um, the population is growing and it's the urban and suburban areas that are really getting the lion's share of that growth and really the rural areas that are tending to lose some voices. Um, you know, and although Republicans continue to do very, very well in rural areas in North Carolina, uh, it's a smaller and smaller share of the vote and a, a greater 
bigger share of the vote is going to the population centers. So I think, you know, as in Wisconsin, as in other states, North Carolina Republicans see that there's some shifting tides. And I think what they're trying to do is really entrench their political power before it's, they think it's too late. They're trying to kind of stack the results of the elections and of the policymaking as much as they can. And so gerrymandering seems to be clearly at the heart of their strategy, both in Wisconsin and North Carolina. Has is, is it played out in much the same way? I assume pretty much the same idea is that we've got modern digital technology at our disposal and we can craft these maps with such surgical precision that we you know, we just guarantee ourselves a large majority, even if we don't even get most of the votes. Is, is that effectively what's happened in both states? That's exactly what's happening. It's, it is uh, the politicians are choosing their voters instead of voters choosing their politicians. And um, you're right that with computer software, you know, millions of maps now can be produced in a matter of hours through these uh, really sophisticated computer programs. And unfortunately, those those maps can be drawn in ways that are very, very uh, skewed for a partisan advantage. I mean, North Carolina has some of the most extreme gerrymanders, as they're called partisan gerrymandering. We know that also gerrymandering can be done with race in mind as well. That has been done in North Carolina in the past and continuing. But yeah, these maps can really be drawn in, in ways to set up the rules of the game from the beginning to favor here the Republicans. And even in states, therefore, where in North Carolina, for example, where it's relatively equally divided politically, Um, The Democrats have to do much, much better to even hope of getting uh, kind of an even balance of seats, especially on the on the in the state legislature. And it's much, much easier for the Republicans to run up huge totals. And that in turn means they get to affect the policymaking process in outsized ways. And as you know, they've really been taking a hammer to a lot of what the governor has been trying to pass. And now they have veto proof majority. So the governor has rendered even more power powerless in, in North Carolina, despite the fact that statewide voters sent him into the governor's uh, seat two times. I wonder if this if you've seen the same pattern in Wisconsin where we that we've seen in North Carolina, where uh, the, in addition to, of course, being able to override any of his vetoes, the legislature is actually passing laws that would take powers traditionally in the governor's office, like, say, appointing boards of elections or Pointing people to university boards and 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 literally grabbing them for themselves in the general assembly. Some of these have, have been challenged in court, some have been overturned, but in general, and we already have a pretty weak governorship in North Carolina, just the way our constitution is designed. Is that I take it maybe similar things are happening in uh, the Badger State? Yes, absolutely. It's ha- the same sort of things are happening there. I call them power grabs, where where the legislature is trying to grab power away from the governor. These are powers that have been, that long been enjoyed by governors. And in fact, in North Carolina, courts uh, several years ago upheld these governor's powers. Uh, you know you know better than, than anyone that when Governor Cooper was first elected um, in 2016, there was a surprise special session that was called by the state Republicans. And they started to try to whittle away powers from the incoming governor. And they were reversed in some, some respects. 
And in fact, there was a ballot measure a few years later where the people voted as well not to strip the governor of some of those powers. Well, um, the legislature with its with its veto proof majority is back at it in North Carolina. A very similar in Wisconsin, where they're trying to take away powers from the governor that really should be powers that are not seen as controversial um, and that courts is up, courts have upheld in the past. But the legislature keeps trying to tinker with it, come back again and try it, see if they can get a court to uphold it. And now in North Carolina, with the, with the state Supreme Court newly composed in favor of Republicans, there's a better and better chance this time around that these power grabs that are happening are going to be upheld. We're talking with Michael Suzanne, who's a senior fellow at the Center for American Progress, where he uh, focuses on democracy and government reform. He's got a new report out, Threats from Political Minority Rule in Wisconsin and North Carolina. We talked about some of the tactics that Republicans have used in those states to accumulate power, take it away from the governor. Another tactic, Michael, is Restricting the vote, right? I mean, there are there are bills that are being passed. We've seen this repeatedly in North Carolina that would make it harder, particularly for certain populations to cast their ballots. That's exactly right. And this has been going on for a few years now in, in North Carolina. I mean, if you go back actually 10 years to 2023, there the legislature passed a sweeping rewrite of laws that required strict voter ID and repealed same day voter registration. And you remember limited Sunday voting, which really was designed to hurt the souls to the polls voter mobilization efforts amongst black churches. And a federal court later blocked that legislation. And the judge said that um, that those laws Laws targeted black voters with, quote, almost surgical precision. And so this is being done again now by the legislature in North Carolina. And the, uh, there was a whole package of new laws passed just a couple months ago, including um, ending a three-day grace period to receive and count absentee ballots. Another law makes it harder to register to vote. Another one bans ballot drop boxes. Um, and so all of these together make it harder for people to vote. It suppresses the vote, which is just really disconcerting at a time where everyone should agree that we should be expanding the right and the ability of people to vote safely, securely, exercise this cherished right. It's going in the wrong direction. At the same time, they're trying to make it easier to steer election results in the way that they want them to be. And that is really just kind of putting a big impediment in front of the emergence of a truly multiracial, multi-ethnic society where everyone can get true, fair representation. So your report documents these these um, very disturbing developments in both states, but it also offers some suggestions, right? There are things that we could do, at least at the federal government, that could make a difference and really put a limitation on this these kinds of uh, sort of egregious power grabs. That's right. I try I try to always inject some positivity. Um, there are always some reforms and some responses that can be done to anti-democracy moves. And so, so I did lay out a number of them in my report. I'll mention just a couple of them briefly here. One of them is to ban partisan gerrymandering. You know, Congress came close to being able to do that in a sweeping bill called the uh, Freedom to Vote Act uh, recently, but it was blocked. It was filibustered in the U.S. Senate. But that had a, pro- a really strong provision against uh, using partisan gerrymandering for congressional races. Um, that legislation and similar legislation also would have established an affirmative right to vote. And that that really would give voters power and being able to challenge voter suppression laws. 
Um, and the Voting Rights, the Federal Voting Rights Act really needs updating as well. Unfortunately, uh, congressional Republicans have been blocking that. But another tool in the arsenal is litigation. And we touched on that. That's been used multiple times in North Carolina. Um, sometimes that is a backstop. But one thing I also point out is that it would be great if there were a nonpartisan movement that was created amongst regular everyday North Carolinians, everyday Americans who are mobile, who are educated and mobilized to stand up against these anti-democracy power grabs to really shine a light on it when it happens so that legislators will at least have to think twice before they try to smash these political norms and seize more power for themselves. There's got to be a bit of a political price paid for it. Well, we wish you luck in helping to, to foster that movement. Folks can read this report, right? Best to go to AmericanProgress.org. That's exactly right. And you can uh, look for me there. My, my, uh, uh, I have a link there, Michael Sozan, S-O-Z-A-N, on the uh, Center for American Progress webpage, and, and you can see a copy of, of this report. Michael Sozan, Senior Fellow at the Center for American Progress, thanks so much for your fine research. We, uh, we hope to share it widely. We look forward to talking to you again uh, sometime in the near future. I would like that. And thanks for shining a light on these important uh, democracy issues. Coming up next, a special two-part conversation about the latest developments in the increasingly politicized leadership of the UNC system. Don't go away.